Welcome to the Best of Seven podcast presented by The Big Lead. We just watched Succession's third episode of the third season. We are going to be giving you our power rankings as we do each Monday, counting down the seven most impactful, best, however you want to set the metric, characters or entities from the episodes in the hopes of deciding who is most likely to succeed. And I think, Stephen, this episode was the third act of what has been the story of the season so far is basically what's happening with Kendall's quest to chip away pieces of his father's empire, bring some of his siblings into the fold, put Logan on the defensive. And there was a lot of talking in the first two episodes. I would say this one was a little bit more action packed, with the plot moving forward in some very specific and dynamic ways. What were your initial impressions of this episode? Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, As you said, a lot of things actually happened, but even like just the the best parts are just the interpersonal interactions between just any two characters when just being awkward as something horrible is happening around them. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to what everybody has going on right now. So we should start at number seven. And this was kind of a down episode. We were discussing our rankings beforehand and we were trying to come up. This was an episode where really, if you held serve, if nothing terrible happened to you, if you stayed out of the fray, you largely advanced your cause. There's an argument to be made for Jerry. Jerry does not appear on our list. She is out of the rankings for the first time This week, she was assertive, but number seven goes to Roman. And Roman, his big move was not signing the letter that Shiv tried to get him to release to the public, basically torching Kendall in a way that was more personal than anything on this show has ever been. They all make moves. They all play a dirty game. This was the most intense, low-blow airing of dirty laundry and now she doesn't know the dirtiest of laundry that Kendall has out there but really some stuff that was pretty gross pretty ugly possibly true but Roman decided not to do it much like he decided not to go with Kendall last week so I think in back-to-back weeks he's basically justified his decisions by saying I'm not going to do this I think he specifically said in this episode this is not in my best interest which you know what a really good reason not to do something. And it's been really interesting to see Roman, who is the most acidic. He's kind of the most foul mouth. He can be very off-putting. I would posit that he plays the political game better than any of his siblings and does it with a more level head with a longer event horizon that causes him to make actually some pretty decent choices. And I think I think there's a lot of different ways he can go forward this year with a number of different allies. So I think he's actually in a really good spot to move up this chart as the year goes on. Yeah, I mean, his his role is a lot of just uh, getting in some of the best quips, uh, just saying inappropriate things in various business meetings. But at the heart, and he admitted it tonight, like you said, that you know he does things based on whether or not they're in his best interest no matter how he feels about anybody he's got himself at heart 
he's going to try and uh, help himself. And he thought that not signing the paper, uh, letting Shiv just, and letting Shiv kill Kendall in the uh, process. And then on top of that, like he got to stand in for Shiv because they needed someone like Shiv, which, you know, he's not really, he's just so happens to be a, uh, one of the siblings just making up a story going out fly fishing and, you know, just doing whatever he can in that situation to make his father look a little better because again, that's what was in his best interest. Roman is a character who has constantly struggled to wear a human suit. And I think that's kind of what he was doing in that interview. Really cool. Look behind the process. One of my favorite parts. And it was a very small thing where at the top of the episode, they were going over, well, we would never tell you what questions were to be asked. And then 15 seconds later, it was basically Roman dictating the exact wording of the questions or basically saying, you guys think of something or blah, blah, blah. It was like the firewall between the news division and what was best for the Roy family was quickly, quickly eradicated. Yeah, and another one of the uh, funnier parts was when he and Shiv were going through the uh, town hall questions and they're like, no, this is horrible. We can't ask that. We can't ask that. You can't ask that. And then um, I think it was Frank was like, well, here's something that we came up with that uh, we think real people would really say, even though they've got hundreds of questions written by real people. So they control the narrative. It, uh, it, uh, it's reminiscent of a uh, too perfect mailbag question, if you will. Exactly. And I think any of us who have ever had a mailbag let he or she who has not invented a question <laughs> cast the first stone. Um, there are ethics. Ethics were a bit different uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and I think the statute of limitations have hopefully run out on that. Number six, <laughs> we're going off the board for this one. Nirvana at number six at the town hall, which was jam-packed, I have to say. People were hanging from the rafters. It was a big to-do Shiv takes the stage. She's very poised. She's political. She's cracking jokes. It's all going well. And then we have Kendall acting as the mole, setting up an elaborate sound system, a, a <laughs> supersized Sonos, if you will, to play Nirvana's classic, Rape Me. And it can't be turned off. And it is unbelievably skin crawling to watch. And you, the viewer, want it to turn off because this is horrible. That specific song, those specific words ringing out again and again and again against the backdrop of what Waystar is meant to be responding to, it's an amazing stunt. And in this online world that the show does so well replicating, you know it would be uber viral forever and Shiv would likely have a hard time outrunning it it's going to be always tied to her legacy and I just think that like she was broken in that moment the specific song the unexpectedness of it all I think as a viewing experience I did not have that on my bingo card as something that was coming down the line to be transported to what exactly is happening is it just a rock band no it's basically like a political statement that's being made nirvana edgy what were your feelings when you heard that song and started to put together one plus one to figure out exactly what was happening in that moment 
Uh, it, it was an incredible moment. It was, I mean, the song's obviously so on the nose, so perfect for uh, what you're trying to accomplish in that situation. And it also paid off when Kendall's asked his buddy to go out with a uh, shopping list. And, you know, you kind of wonder how they managed to pull that off. It's, you know, one of those suspension of disbelief things. I mean, Kendall could barely get into the, uh, into a, the office and he sent a guy out for 50 Sono speakers or whatever. And he just brings him up the freight elevator and sets him up around the, uh, the vestibule or whatever it was. It's a good song. It's um, a, a great band, you know, it, Continuing was a uh, little bit of a Nirvana renaissance around uh, Dave Grohl being, you know, everywhere these days. And yeah, if if this happened in real life, we're we're posting video. That's that's a moment. It really got to show. I mean, it's one of the first times you see her like I mean, she was furious. You know, she goes into Kendall's office and sees it and spits in his book, which I mean, this isn't Dune where that's a uh, sign of uh, thanks and respect. This is succession. And yeah, I mean, it, and it forced her to respond in kind with the letter. Yeah, it was visceral and it was powerful. And we can get to number five, who happens to be Shiv. I would say that relationship, I thought up until that incident happened, that there was a chance at reconciliation. I know that their meeting mm-hmm. at the like journalist soiree didn't go well, but I kind of thought that was like, you know, some like tennis volleying back and forth and seemed like in fairly good naturedness. But I would say in the moment you go in, you spit in someone's book uh, in a visceral act and then go full nuclear with the letter, as we talked about earlier, was kind of like new ground for the franchise. It shows that she's a killer. And I keep thinking that Logan told Kendall that he wasn't a killer. And that was a huge reason why Kendall never got the reins to the empire in addition to his personal problems, which were laid out in the letter. But if there's any doubt over Shiv's ability and willingness to go all the way with something that should be out the window. Now she's most closely tied to Logan. Now she's the president. We saw the dynamics of that meeting. Logan was definitely in charge, but Shiv was the second most important voice. Jerry was off to the side She's going to do, I think, willingly, some of Logan's dirty work, some of the stuff that gets her hands real dirty, real grimy, because it was business with Kendall before, and now it's definitely personal. Yeah, in in their original meeting at the, uh, wherever that dinner was, you could see, I don't know, Kendall kind of, he kind of saw that shiv is the new him like in his mind he was being groomed and now and he saw actually what that actually meant for him and there's like kind of a human moment but it's also a dig where he's like oh so it's you now you know i feel sorry for you and yeah i mean nothing good happens to anyone pretty much so he he thinks something bad is gonna happen to her and you know there's that little shimmer of actually you know being a human sibling where he feels bad, but yeah, Shiv was just, she was a killer all episode. You know, she's ready to send Tom to the slaughter and with Tom, she's done a uh, good job of, or, I mean, it's not really a good job. We all see through it. Tom must see through it where she's like, oh yeah, that's a play, but no, you can't do that. 
you can't sacrifice yourself. But actually, you know, that might be nice. And, you know, she talked him into, he went in and offered himself up to Logan. So she's willing to sell anybody down the river. Another great segue, Tom is number four on our list. And he's been climbing in terms of respectability and I think gravitas. Uh, He has definitely got in tight with Logan. He is taking more agency of his life. It was his idea to float himself as a sacrificial lamb to Logan originally. I have a few procedural questions in terms of what exactly is happening with Tom. Now, can you explain to me why you think this is something that's going to be good for him long-term? Is the thought process that he's operating under that it's never going to get to the point that he goes to jail? Is he taking a gamble that he thinks he's going to stay out of there? Or does he think by going to jail, he will ultimately get like the top job? What's your understanding of what his plan is? Well, first, yeah, he definitely, you know, takes control of his faith, his fate a little bit by offering himself up. And because he's probably he probably is one of the top fall guys. So by kind of getting out ahead of that, he's like trying to curry a little favor with both two very dangerous people to him his wife and his father-in-law so he's like you know i could do this maybe he looks around at the uh previous white collar crimes uh people who have been at the top and maybe he sees you know things won't be that bad all in all for him especially if you know he cooperates in the right way that uh protects uh logan and shiv but also throws some other people under the bus and let me go ahead and say right now that i'm not going to just blindly assume that he protects logan and shiv i think that i i think that there's a chance that tom is going to go just full rogue and he's going to be fully corrupted by the roy family and he's going to play the game better than them and really turn on them i thought it was an interesting scene when after he talked to logan He reached out to a lawyer. He obviously didn't want to be heard. I'm not saying that he's planning to a double cross down the road, but I guess I would not be shocked. Tom feels like a totally different operator and character this year. It's almost like he was mainly good, maybe dopey, maybe the fall guy, for a long time, but now it kind of feels like a lot of his joy is gone for obvious reasons. And then when you get the small moments where he's like human to Greg, you really appreciate them because they stand out more. Now he's changed a lot. I think over the last eight episodes. Yeah. And maybe he's just doing a little more of uh keep your friends close and enemies closer thing where he's trying to get in as good as he can with everybody but also he's keeping all his options open. That's why he's, you know, he, at the beginning of the episode, he talked to uh, a friend, he said, he got some uh, outside counsel. And then after that, he, I mean, maybe it was just the dog being sick from eating pantyhose, but uh, he seemed a little out of sorts at at that point, you know, he'd had a few drinks. So maybe what he heard from his friend wasn't uh, as rosy as he had hoped. And then, you know, he, his friend probably told him you have to find your own counsel, you know, just like Greg did. So he made that call and he made that call after he, you know, got, got a little vote of confidence from uh, Logan. Number three on our list, 
Kendall. Now, let me tell you, this man, <laughs> there's a lot going on with him. We fly between good tweet, bad tweet. His mood changes on the fly. The incredible awkwardness of him wanting to hear bad things about himself and true things and cutting things about himself and then seeing his broken face. The man's emotions are all over the place. He's a train wreck. He was wearing a pinky ring that played prominently in the first few seconds of the show that that's a new stage for him he can think clearly at moments and he is a worthy adversary for logan at moments but his unbelievably unappealing personality on the whole can never hide for more than a half episode surely he thought it was a good idea to try to go into the lion's den to face the late night host who had skewered him. But that just shows a hubris and a misunderstanding of his place in the world and his perception in the world that he had to confront not only head on, he had to confront with all the people who have put their thoughts and hopes and dreams in his stead in the room, basically like watching him cry internally or die of embarrassment or get defensive and then try to put an acting veneer on it. Just a train wreck of a situation where he bails on the interview in the, in the final seconds, which makes things worse for him. They discussed the shiv letter. That's going to be everywhere. A real broken, sad man. And, and through that lens, it might be, feel weird that he's at number three on our list except the fbi raid at the very end is the best thing that's happened to kendall in a long long time i rewatched the last 10 seconds of the show about six times i thought i saw a tiny bit of a smile even when he was at his lowest of lows so things are potentially looking up for our man kendall yeah he's just constantly both incredibly confident and just a broken shell of a human being at all times. And it's just, he's ready to go either way with whatever. And, you know, it starts just an incredible episode for him. You know, it starts with the good tweet, bad tweet, which is an absurd thing to do. And something that only really, mostly just famous people could do. And he's just like, you know, tell me all these great things. And then also, uh, I like to be humiliated a little bit. So let me hear those as well and just try and grin and bear it. And then probably the funniest part of the whole episode is him setting up Greg with the watch, which, I mean, like he's he's like, Greg, I'll I'll hook you up with the watch. So Greg's like, all right, I'm all in. And then he laughs about Greg thinking he's going to buy the watch for him. And then the watch doesn't work. So which sets up, you know, good Greg stuff, which is important. But then he's just so confident. He he think he wants to be young and hip. So that's he wants to control the narrative on social media. So he's confident and wants to he thinks he can out internet the internet, basically, which he's obviously very bad at. So he tries to go on that talk show and tries to control it kind of like it's, he's back at Waystar 
and you know, that's just not how it works. And he ends up broken in the server room, and then he sees the FBI raid, which again, that's something he wanted earlier in the episode. So something did actually work out for him, but it just so happened at a very bad point in time for him. There's kind of like an Elon Musk vibe to him, right? Like it's like it's kind of like it was like when when Musk did Saturday Night Live or wants to be a shit poster online or whatever. And there's a core competency there where they get it and they understand and they're with it. It's just when you are in that position, you're never going to be a sympathetic figure. Never people are never going to give you the credit when you do well. I mean, look what happened when Musk hosted SNL. I think most people were kind of rooting against him, even though he was perfectly fine. But I, I just don't, I just think it's really hard for people like that to change the narrative. Maybe they shouldn't change the narrative. The Greg stuff was unbelievable. You're exactly right. When he, there was a line where he said, this piece will have to go to Switzerland periodically for six months. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, just amazing. But but in, in like on a serious note, though, that is the distillation of Kendall's personality, right? In one moment, affable, thinking he's generous, making promises to someone. But then when it comes time to pay up on those promises, someone else is going to ultimately need to pay the price and he's going to drag everybody down, whether that's people above him, like his dad, like I think has happened over time, but people below him bear a particularly hard price to pay because 40 grand is a huge hit for Greg. Kendall basically didn't even notice it. I mean, he is just the worst. He is the worst, but he has a, it's, it's very weird to me because he's the absolute worst, but there is a little bit of a sliver of charm and charisma in there that kind of keeps you coming back and not rooting for him, but being like, Hey, is this guy a secret genius? Yeah. Um, one thing, just at, at the beginning, like he understands how the game is played. Like when they're doing the meeting with the interviewer earlier in the show. And he's like, is this going to be in the piece about how I'm eating your fennel salad? And I'm, and I'm thinking about while I'm eating it. And then as they're going into the, uh, to the party and he's like, should we give him something? And he turns around and goes F the patriarchy. He understands these things that should work, but they're just so, they're so unnatural coming from him. And then probably the best part, I probably said this a few times, but the best part of the episode is definitely when he's in his office and he's like, is it cold in here? And he's like, he's standing on a chair with his hand in front of the vent. And he's like, oh, that's 65. Like, no, it's 68. Like, just like the other, they hacked my air conditioning. I think maybe the most important moment of the show was the security detail from the incident with the caterer in England confronting Kendall when Kendall showed up into the office, getting into his face, looking extremely menacing and whispering, I know you. Now, I think that would throw pretty much everybody off their game. I don't know how much leverage Logan has because Logan essentially covered it up. Now, what can be proven? I don't know. That's kind of like the Chekhov's gun of the whole series to me is that's ultimately going to get paid off in a big major way. And that's hanging over this. So I just wanted to note that I thought that was of extreme importance. It's a, it's maybe the second or third time that it's been brought up this year. Marsha floated using yep. it, I believe last week. So 
it was one of those things where I didn't recognize the guy, but I definitely, the, just the way he said, you're like, well, that's definitely a guy who helped cover up Kendall's murder. Yeah, and it's interesting too, because like going back to the leverage thing, it's like they were complicit and they were involved in it too. So I'm not 100% sold that those threats are going to be particularly effective because that's kind of like blowing up yourself too in the end. Yeah, it's ultimately, it's like the, it's a big guillotine hanging there. It's a big matzo ball. That's, it's, it's the ultimate uh, play, you know, you know, you killed someone, we know it, but also they were also like, even Marsha like knew it like that day. Right. So, you know, no, obviously no one has their hands clean here. It's just like everything else, but you know, they think that this is something and Kendall does actually have some guilt over that. So it's the card to play. And, you know, maybe it's one of those things where they're trying to push him in a uh, certain dark direction. Number two on our list, Logan Roy. The man wanted to play the hardest of hardballs and he almost did. He basically took the position of, we are not going to cooperate. The rules don't apply to me. I am going to stand my ground until he had a discussion with someone from the white house who gave him the real lay of the land that the president has agency as well, that the president is not going to be particularly keen on helping Logan out of this jam because of the political implications. It took the FBI actually raiding and storming and showing up with incredible amount of force for him to back down because he's a man that respects actions and understands actions. And I think he was surprised that they actually stepped to him, that it's actually gotten to this place because you hear there was a conversation earlier in the show with Shiv where Shiv wanted to get an accurate picture of how bad the company is. And Logan he couched it by saying, I want you clean. I don't want you to know this. But I think that his commentary was of someone of a bygone generation who did that stuff, who got away with it, who doesn't fully understand that it's a new world. And I think he's going to be in for some hard realities going forward because the toothpaste is out of the tube now. There's going to be a severe cost for someone to pay both financially, they're going to want some heads on stakes. I don't know if Logan can survive all of this to maintain power. Certainly not in the same way he did before, because no matter what happens, even if Waystar gets out of this scot-free, the family is fractured. You're talking about Tom potentially going to prison. Alliances are going to get all jumbled up. So there's absolutely no way that Logan emerges from all of this stronger and more unified than he was before do you agree with that uh yes and you know he he really summed it up when he was talking to Shiv. he said you will not find a piece of paper that will make you ashamed of me as just the ultimate yeah we did this no you can't prove it no one will be able to prove it it's all circumstantial i mean it's one of those you know unwritten things where everybody knows what happened but there's nothing there to prove it he's you know he's protected by 
50 layers of underlings who have given orders and sent emails and also about the emails. I think I wrote, oh yeah, he, he doesn't read emails. She's like, you're in emails. Like, I don't read emails. You know how many emails I get? People give me bullet points. It's such a great important person excuse. You know, like I don't have time for emails. And also that's my excuse going forward. Whenever I miss a meeting, I, I don't have time for emails. Definitely the show of force thing is true that it was, it's the first time that he ba actually backed down from something when, uh, because the FBI is like, it's, there aren't many, many situations or uh, groups or people that he can't control. And uh, there's really nothing you can do about the FBI. Last segue of the night. We really structured this list really well in terms of transition. <laughs> so congrats to wow. us. Number one is the FBI, because I think it has to be the FBI because those last five minutes kind of erase everything that happened previously in the episode. And it's really the only thing that matters going forward. They proved that they had the resolve and they are armed with the political capital to actually go after Waystar and Logan and take aim at him. And they're going to do that. You can't run from them. They're in for the long haul. They're going to fracture off people they're going to use Kendall. They're going to use Tom. They're going to use Greg. My thought for this season is that everything is going to be about this investigation going forward. I can't imagine it's just a, like a two episode arc. I think it's going to go through to the finale. So we have seven episodes of basically going through people making their plays, making their plans, making their alliances everything that we know and everything that's on the line and all the discussion, like I said, for the first three episodes, we knew this was a possibility, if not an inevitability, but I was still pretty surprised when that moment happened. And I don't know if I was happy or if I was sad, because I don't know if the show is going to improve or enter a stage I'm not as excited for going forward. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was definitely a moment in a show that uh, does a great job making little things feel like super important moments with lots of lots of stake uh like earlier in the episode when just kendall showing up it's like well the stakes have never been higher kendall kendall is trying to get through security um but yeah the fbi showing up listening to you talk it made me think well maybe this is this is uh the fbi being so high is great for shiv because she's the only person that hasn't been inside the company Every other person, you know, they their hands are dirty. Even if Logan's name doesn't have anything in writing, he he has overseen it. It's his company. And Shiv just being brought in, she can say, oh, well, you know, I was just trying to help my family. And I, I wasn't here when all this happened. And I've been trying to shut it down. So I think in, a, in that way, this is very good for Shiv. But yeah, the FBI, if they do what you know we we would idealize the fbi doing in a situation like this which is taking on a bad corporation you know they would be able to find all the evidence they'd be able to take down all the bad parties and you know maybe there won't be a company left for shiv but you know that's we'll have to see if that's the end game for the show or if you know it just ends up being greg running a tiny boutique uh, cable news division 
Yeah, and I'm interested to see how the FBI is portrayed because we haven't really gotten a lot of insight into the law enforcement, the people who are chasing the Roys. I don't know if it's going to be a situation like in The Wolf of Wall Street, if we're going to get the uh, Kyle Chandler character. I guess I haven't studied the casting well enough, like largely because I like to kind of go in fresh and not know what's going to happen. But maybe we get a look uh, at what they're seeing from afar outside the Roy bubble. Yeah, it, it would be nice. It would be nice to have like a, uh, a John Hamm type FBI guy from the town or something, you know, just, but I, based on the casting I've seen, like talking about uh, how tall everyone is, um, I, I haven't seen anything about anyone being an FBI agent. So I, I don't think that uh, season three of Succession, we're going to get like uh, something from The Wire where we completely shift to a uh, whole new cast of characters. Those are our rankings from episode three. I'll tell you, I just had the feeling tonight that there's only seven of these left. I started to get a little bit sad because there's going to be a long layoff after that. So it's been awesome to enjoy these. I think that overall, the first three have been pretty good. I do think that they need to pay off a lot of the setup here because it's been a little bit slow. I know that we got some action at the end of tonight. I don't know if we're going to look back and say, you know what? That was a lot of talking. That was a lot of going back and forth that we didn't necessarily need. We could have had more action. I have the ultimate faith in this show going forward. Keep it tuned here. We're going to do this every single Monday with your succession power rankings on best of seven from the big lead.